welcome back to another episode of Stuff Said with Greg Shegel. I am your host, Greg Shegel, and this is Stuff Said. It's a show where I talk to other people in the business of comics, cartooning, animation, the whole nine yards. And by the whole nine yards, that's taken into full effect today because today I'm talking to Branwyn Biggestone. And Branwyn Biggestone is not a cartoonist. She's not an illustrator. She's not a writer. But if you've been to a comic book convention in the past three years or so, you may have seen her. She is the very red-haired, very tattooed gal who is often at the Image Comics booth promoting Image Comic Books. Why? Because she is the accounts manager at Image Comics. What does that mean? You're going to find out on this episode of Stuff Said. Uh, you're going to find a lot of things in this episode. This is uh, a conversation that, that casts a very wide net. Um, but I'm not going to say too much else because with the last couple of episodes, I've had a few uh, friends and listeners tell me, Greg, stop pointing out all the mistakes. Stop pointing out the things that you think are wrong with the show because we're not going to notice them otherwise. You're noticing all the mistakes Zip it. So, this episode is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. You're going to listen to it and go, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. That's ridiculous. I've completely gone the other direction. Um, it's a good show. It's a good conversation. It's an occasionally ridiculous conversation. So, without any further preamble from me... Here's my talk, occasionally ridiculous, with Branwyn Bigglestone. Oh, Lydia, oh, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Lydia the tattooed lady. She has eyes that folks adore. That's fine. That came through crystal clear. <laughs> Perfect. Leave it in the show. You want to just start with a burp? Yeah, or it could be like when we take a break or something. Oh, there's no breaks. You're my, you're the first lady on stuff said, you know. All right. How's that? How's that make you feel? Like I got ovaries. <laughs> got two of them. So here's what's weird about this one is I feel like I know you more as a person uh-huh. than as a comics person. Right. Which is weird. Okay. Because most of the people I've had on. I know through comics, and I know you through comics, but I have no idea sort of where you came from in but comics. But you more know me through Chris Russo. Right. Again, I know you as a as, person. As a person who hangs out. Right. Rather than some sort of professional capacity. Right. So my, my context for your, your place in comics and comics history mm-hmm. is, is, is hazy. That's kind of what my history is like. A lot of hazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's part some of the haze. All right. Right now, you are the account Accounts manager, manager at Image Comics. Yep. As of this recording. Right. Hopefully, I won't get fired before this drops. Here's fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get to that, what All that right. means. Getting fired? No. Well, oh, yeah. Right. Getting fired. We're going to talk about that, what it means. Right. We're going to sit and watch up in the air together. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, 
but your first job in comics was at the now no longer with us comic relief in San Francisco. Berkeley. Or, oh, Berkeley. Well, I, well, there were two. There was one in San Francisco later, but I first worked at the one in Berkeley back when Roy Root and Mike Patchen owned it together. And that was when you were in high school. It was right after I finished high school. Okay. I was 17. Before that. A fresh-faced kid. Did you seek that job out, or were you just looking for a job, and you went to a comic store? Um, well, I'd, I'd known Rory since I was a small child. Like, he used to like to tell people that he used to change my diapers. Okay. Did he? My mother says no. Okay. <laughs> and then is your – did Rory have any connection to your mom's store and the whole sort of gaming universe, which I'm, I'm talking about as if anyone else knows what I'm talking about. What yeah. Were... Okay. Before my parents owned Games of Berkeley, they owned Berkeley Game Distributors, which was a wholesale business. And the whole gaming comic book world in, in the Bay Area is kind of inbred and there's overlapping stuff. And, and Games of Berkeley, the store, just gaming store, is like a long-time Berkeley institution, been there over 30 years, and Comic Relief, you know, was there over 20 years or however long it lasted, I think 22. You know, so so Rory and my mom knew each other in a social sense and in a professional sense. Okay. So now just, just to bring listeners up to speed, your mom started a game store called... Games she didn't Berkeley. start it. She didn't start it. No, it had a couple of different owners before she and my stepdad eventually bought it. They they had sold the warehouse business, and eventually that ended up under Steve Jeppe's umbrella hmm. somehow. It went through a couple of different ownerships. But Games of Berkeley, the store, is how they met. You know, my stepdad worked there when he was working on his dissertation at Berkeley. Um, and, yeah. All right, so you basically you grew up in a world where this sort of thing was not foreign. Right. Were you into gaming in that when you were no. a young child? No. Were you into comics? I would read what was around the house. And oh. I, I liked reading what was around the house. And what kind of stuff was that? A lot of stuff that was really inappropriate for somebody. So it was that age. sort of San Francisco comics with it. It was X like scene. a lot of zap comics okay. and, and you know it's when I learned that guys really like to watch a lady eat a banana, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and it was very confusing for a small child. So, so you were not as as speaking in generalizations. Lots of young girls. It's Archie comics is sort of the the entry point. Right. I I am not an Archie person. That's chump change to you. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're like uh, Robert Crumb. Right. Boobs. Right. Butts. Big butts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oakland booty. Right. Of course. Yeah. And then so, somehow my mom met Wendy and Richard Peeney. I don't think they were, you know, on each other's Christmas card list or anything. But so she started picking up ElfQuest. And then uh, I really liked ElfQuest. And my dad had, like, Bill Malden strips. Books okay. of Bill Malden strips. And so here's this, you know, little girl who loves that World War II comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. I'm not, there's no judgment here. Yeah, and a lot of Bloom County and Doonesbury. Political sort of, sort of yeah. adult content. Yeah. 
And you were a child. Yeah. Right, so when you started working at Comic Relief in when you just graduated high school, what was what was the temperature in the in the comic book business? And were you aware of it? Like, did you go and be like, I know what's up with comics? Or... I went in and I said, I don't know anything about comics. I've literally said that. Like, I'd been trying to find a job after I graduated from high school. I was trying to say and do all the right things in interviews and nothing was working. So when I went into the comic relief interview, it was with Mike Patchen and Christine Anstein, who was the manager at the time. And I didn't know either of them. And, you know, trying to do and say the right thing wasn't working. So I decided to just be completely honest. And they asked if I knew anything about comics. And I'm like, nope. And uh, somehow I got the job. <laughs> I think because they had this little test that they gave people. And I knew the alphabet the best. Okay. So I knew how to. Like the actual like, alphabet. The actual alphabet and how to, you know, put things away where they're supposed to go. Okay. Okay. Which is really important in a comic book store. Sure. Yeah. Where does Invincible Iron Man go? Is it the Invincible or the Iron Man? Right. So, you know. I ended up with a job. I was later told by this guy who worked there that it was between me and this other guy. And we basically had comparable interviews. And he told them to go with the cute young redhead because they'd get more customers. You had the red hair at that time. I had some variation of red. All right. So we're going we're gonna to bounce off for a second. Okay. For people who have seen you, you have red hair. Like yeah. red. Yeah. Like straight up. Not quite Ronald McDonald red. <laughs> but, but close. Like Wendy from Wendy's red. If we're going to stay in the fast food universe. Okay. Right? Yeah. Sure. Um, and in doing some research, I found a blog post that someone had written about how when they were in high school. Have you seen this thing? I did. Uh, like you <laughs> were their style icon. She specifically said that I was the coolest girl in high school. The coolest girl in high school. Which was mind-blowing the first time I found that blog. Because you wore matte red lipstick. Yeah. So at an early age, you had created this, you had, you had sort of found your, at least style, your visual style sense. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Did you know it? Like, you're like, this is it, I'm locking in? N no. I mean, the classics just, they stay. So beat red hair is a classic? Sure. <laughs> it works, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Look, this I is tried the only... blue. It looked terrible. This is the only version of you I know <laughs> is the red hair, the tattoos. Well, it's also been fuchsia. I've had platinum blonde. Like I said, I tried Superman blue once. It was the worst mistake. Superman's hair is black with made. blue highlights. That's what I mean. It was a really dark blue. Okay. That was basically black, but, you know, it didn't work. Okay. Wasn't a good look. But you were rocking the red hair as of high school. Yeah. Did you have tattoos in high school or that no. was after? That was after. All right. And since this is a podcast, nobody can see it. You have a lot of tattoos. Anyone who's ever seen you at a convention has seen the tattoos because they're on your arms. They're Right. Yeah. So you had your style sense. You go into this interview. You've got the bright red hair, the matte red lipstick. Possibly. I don't remember. It was after high school. Okay. I didn't wear red the, lipstick every day. You were the coolest girl in high school. I don't get that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first find that blog posting? It was a couple years ago. I, I just did a Google search for my name. And it had always been the same, like, two hits. 
one from when I was on the comic release employee list for Ape in like 2006. And then once when I was on a panel at the World Science Fiction Convention in the early 90s. And that was it. That was, those were the two hits forever. But every so often I check, I'm a little vain, sure. Everybody does it. Yeah. And and then one day there was this new hit that this girl talking about that I was the coolest girl in high school. Did you know her? I, I had to look her up in the yearbook. Right. And and she did look familiar. Um, we weren't in the same social circle, really. So what does that do for you on like an ego level to find out? Because I know in my experience in ninth grade. Uh-huh. I didn't think anybody knew who I was. Yeah. And I somehow won the superlative most talented. I'm not saying they were right, <laughs> but I somehow won this thing and they took my picture. But I was stunned that it had happened. Like, yeah. Holy crap, people know who I am. So you find this post on the internet. Yeah. Are you are you are you like over the moon? Well, are you who is this creepy broad? I got to go look her up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just uh, you know, in in high school, I was I was not the popular kid. Cool. I was the weirdo. I in high school, high school was much better than junior high. Junior high, I had zero friends. High school, I got into the drama club and and you know the alternative kids and and you know like a couple of us even had Doc Martin boots and Ooh. I know right and we go to the East Bay on the weekends and go to punk rock shows and um, so I found I found a social circle. But it's not like we were the cool kids at high school. That's the thing. The thing that I've learned over time is that my image of myself is rarely accurate. So that was just another example. I think that's the case with most people. Yeah. And I think the people who are truly cool never know that they're cool. (laughs) Which is why Bono is not cool. Right. (laughs) He's trying way too hard. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's mark that off. Bono right. is not cool. You work at the store, and then you went to college. Yeah, I was going to college at SF State. San but before you State. go to college, how? What's your learning curve on comics? Are you are you being reintroduced and finding new stuff? Oh. Uh, are you just working a job to, before you go to college? I was working a job, but I was also reading some stuff. You know, we we were kind of obnoxious. A lot of us <laughs> there. You know the. The, you, you gotta like the weird alternative stuff or you're you're not cool you know and what was the weird alternative stuff at the time oh like there was this comic called steven that we were really fond of it was a little kid I had a friend it was an alcoholic cactus all right steven told everyone he hated them and flipped them off all right it's adorable sounds great <laughs> it sounds like the care bears <laughs> pretty much so, so a superhero comic, or or what year would this have been? This was ninety uh, one when I first started working there. So this is birth of Image Comics. Yeah, I remember when Image started. Was this a thing that like even registered with the Bay Area, or was it? Oh, uh, it totally registered. It was crazy times. But was it something that like your store? If everybody was a, like sort of an indie comic snob, uh-huh. was the attitude? I guess we got to stock this stuff. Yeah, it's pretty a big much. Deal, but nobody in the store would like it was all just ugh. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, just again. We we're not fans of image books. <laughs> right. That's there were a lot of people that weren't fans of image yeah, books. Yeah. A lot of creators were vocal not fans of image books. Oh like, yeah. Well, there's the whole there's the whole um Peter David Todd McFarlane debates. 
you know anything about See, that? See, I wasn't paying attention to that okay. stuff then. Is it like the Bendis Kirkman debate? I don't. I never saw that. That one I stopped paying attention okay. to. So that you weren't paying attention to. There was a cactus and Stephen and, and hate was, and right, you know, stuff like that. Okay, all right. So then you do that. You sort of get your curve. You go to college. And you studied what? Uh, social sciences. I was going to be a high school teacher. Really? Yeah. What subject? I don't know. I You're just really, going to be a teacher. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really narrowed down on Math? anything. Sociology, something okay. like that. Liberal arts, humanities yeah. type stuff. Yeah, social sciences. And then you didn't major in. Oh. I I well, I had like ten pages left to write on my senior thesis, and I realized I did not want to spend that much time with kids. <laughs> didn't like them that much. And I just got totally burnt out. You know, I'd been going to school since I was four and a half. Yeah. And I just kind of hit a wall and could not finish that paper. And I just stopped going. And I realized working in a call center at a credit card company, I was already making starting teacher salary. Okay. So you left college. Did you? You didn't graduate. You went to a call I center. I still have, to this day, have not graduated. Really? Yeah. So how did you go from a girl in a call center who was studying social sciences? Yeah. Because then you, you ended up back at Comic Relief. Many years. Well, I would work at Comic Relief off and on. Okay. Like, I would help out during conventions. I'd work at the store. And then from there, you end up at Image Comics. So what is the tri- what is the, the path? From call center, social sciences, <laughs> non-graduate. The to... path was, uh, I hate looking for a job. Okay. And they started giving me, giving me promotions at the credit card company. Uh, the last job I had there was project manager. And um, the thing is, though, is that I kind of hated it. Like, the project management stuff was more interesting. Because I got to do lots of different things. Right. It wasn't just answering the same five different questions over and over again for eight hours a day and then going in the bathroom and crying because you hate what you do so much. Sometimes I'd start crying in the middle of a call. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a specific instance where, where it, it, it struck? Well, I was working at a credit card company that was later featured in an episode of Frontline for predatory credit practices. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I was, I'd have to convince low income people who didn't really understand how credit and compounding interest works that they should not cancel their card. In fact, they should buy these add on products that were useless and put themselves in even more debt. And I was this punk rock kid who was basically a cog in the machine that i hated and so sometimes i just start crying (laughs) (laughs) that's perfectly fair (laughs) just as a quick aside does that mean you understand like the the credit default swaps and all that stuff Uh, no okay just checking (laughs) (laughs) all right so you go your project management and you are you like learning money stuff at this are you learning accounting are you learning um well financial my focus mostly through all of this was in risk management okay so uh like fraud investigation stuff like that 
And then I, I ended up at this insurance company because I finally left the credit card company. And then September 11th happened. And the way insurance companies pay out when yeah. things like that happen is they lay off half their employees. Ah, um, so great. that they have the money to pay out on all these life insurance policies and sure. the like. And um, I, I had no business being employed there anyway because I just wasn't getting it, you know. <laughs> so I floundered working at a pizza place for a while. Throwing dough in the air? No. Like I started just answering the phones and taking orders and then I was made a shift manager within a month. Which was kind of weird because I had no food service experience really. But you had management experience. Yeah. I, I guess that was the thinking. And um that didn't go really well either. And I mean, I stuck with it for a while, but again, it just wasn't really me. And then I ended up at another credit card related job. And that one I really didn't want to get, but the unemployment was running out. And like, I showed up late for the interview. They asked me what my long-term career goals were. I told them world domination. You know, I, I, I kind of really didn't want the job, but I knew that with my background, I would get it no and matter what. And your red hair. Right. Yeah. The every job, the job every getting office hair. has to have a crazy redhead. Yeah. It's like written somewhere. On that show, News Radio, there was a crazy redhead. And lots of shows. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't have a resident. Actually, they did have a redhead, but I was definitely wackier. The crazier one. Yeah. Sure. And... After a few years, I got myself fired for having a blatant disregard for authority. Naturally. Yeah. You were the crazy redhead. (laughs) They should have known. I really thought that I was hiding my disregard. It's like these people that bring a monkey into the house and it rips their face off. Exactly. Like, don't do it. You're inviting disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, it was a job that I was good at, but I hated it. Sure. And it just wasn't me. So then I ended up back at the comic book store at Comic Relief. Rory, I, at first I was just given a few shifts to help make ends meet. And then Rory said, well, you know, I don't have a bookkeeper. So how about you be the bookkeeper? And like he hadn't had a bookkeeper for a year. And so there was plenty to do to try and organize books. Books. Especially if... If you know Rory Root, and I didn't, you you don't. But a lot of people out there do, and they know exactly what it means to be a bookkeeper for that guy. What does it mean? Um, he kept that store open. He, I don't know. I don't know how much I should talk about it. You know, right. but he wasn't that great with money. <laughs> but you know, he knew a lot of people, and he was well respected, and a lot of people would him you know when yeah. he needed it and and you know in a lot of ways he was perfect for owning and running that store and in other ways he was sometimes its own worst enemy but um you know that's kind of a known quantity with him right right <laughs> so then you were there and you were assigned the job of, of doing the bookkeeping right that was your task Right. Apparently you did pretty well at it. I did all right. Is After that... a while, I decided that it was, you know, I mean, I couldn't make ends meet being a part-time bookkeeper in a comic book store. 
and the guys from Image would come in, and some gals there would come gals. in sure. every Wednesday to get the new comic books. And I started to become, you know, talkative and friendly with a few of them, like Drew Gill mostly. And I asked him once if he knew of any job openings anywhere. I wasn't even really thinking Image so much because I figured you had to have some sort of, you had to know Photoshop at the least. <laughs> <laughs> sure. This is Image Central. Again, For I don't like to do a lot of explaining, but Image Central is where all the books from the various creators come and are put together for, for print. Right. Essentially. In the right. shortest version. And for, there are not hundreds of people who work there. There's about seven. At the time, it was uh, about 10. Okay. It was 10 for a long time. Okay. So you're talking to Drew Gill and others. I, I specifically had a, a conversation with Drew about that it was time for me to move on, find a you know, full-time yeah. job that paid more. And, and does he know of anything benefits. anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. And he said he'd, he'd you know, let me know if he'd heard of anything. And I guess he went back to the office and told Eric Stevenson, uh, who at that time was executive director. Right. And he said, well, you know, I'd like to replace our accounts manager. <laughs> and Rory gave me a good recommendation. And I had an interview with Eric in Comic Relief because Image's accounts manager didn't know Ah, sure. Yeah. And so nobody in the office knew. And uh, so we had the interview at Comic Relief. And I guess it went well, except nobody told me. Because <laughs> San Diego happened. And, you know, San Diego kind of encompasses Obliterates everything. everything. Sure. And I didn't want to leave the store before San Diego. I didn't want to leave them high and dry. And, you know, Rory had told me, in case you didn't figure it out, you got the job. I'm like that's that's awesome, right? You don't work at Image. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to hear it from the horses. <laughs> yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I did get the job, so yeah. And how did you purposely try and tank that interview, or were you, <laughs> or were you on good behavior with Stevenson? I was on good behavior. All right. Yeah. But the hair was red. Yes. Love. I love a through line. Right, and what year was that? When did you start working at Image Comics? I just celebrated my four-year anniversary, so 2007. So in the time before Image, but you were at Comic Relief doing the bookkeeping, uh-huh. were you getting back on the reading sort of comics train or were you, there, again, just there for a job? Where was your relationship with, with the medium? I was reading some, but again, it was, I wasn't reading as much as I could have been. Like, I look back and think, I was an idiot. Why wasn't I reading more? I had a gigantic library there. Well, I imagine you weren't reading more because you your other sort of uh, – a passion is the right word. But the other thing you sort of occupied yourself was with, as you mentioned earlier, the San Francisco punk scene. I kind of stopped going to punk shows though. Like only in the last couple of years have I started going to shows again. But what was, when was your, your punk era? <laughs> when, was, when were the punk years for Brandon? I went to my first show in 1989. All right. That's when I first – Discovered 94 Gilman Street, and which I eventually ended up being head coordinator at. I was the first woman to run that place. All right. And Much like Gilman I'm the first is... woman to be a guest on your podcast. That's true. 94 I'm a trailblazer. Is, is a venue? Yeah. Okay. It's an all-ages 
collective. No alcohol, no Nazis. I, I got to kick Good out Nazis. Rule. Good yeah. rule. I know, right? <laughs> it's a great Why rule. hasn't anyone else thought of that? So simple. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no booze, no Nazis. Yeah. But punk. Punk. No, no corporate bands allowed to play. But yeah, what is the punk? Ethos? Which kind of got me in trouble near the end because I let Green Day play after they signed the major label mm. deal. Okay, so but so, they the album hadn't come out yet. So what is the punk ethos? We're gonna get back to to specific instances, but what is the punk ethos? Uh, the whole do it yourself thing. Um. Stuff doesn't have to be polished to be enjoyable. Okay. Uh, a whole equality thing where, you know, the the person who does sound isn't necessarily more important than the person working the door, who isn't necessarily more important than the person playing drums, that sort of thing. Okay. I mean, it was it was a collectively run community center, rock really. and roll kibbutz. Yeah. <laughs> a filthy, filthy kibbutz. So now that's that's the venue, but did that translate to, say, a band? Or were the bands just still rock where the front man was the front man and led the band? And Well, I'm mostly talking about what the goal and the ideal is. Okay. We often fell short. Oftentimes ideals are fallen short yes. of. I don't think that's a good phrase that I just used, but. Yeah. You understood. I ended yeah. on a preposition. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So so there's the ethos. Uh, I said ethos too many times. There's the philosophy of punk. Uh-huh. And you were sort of in that. Yeah. Took to it to some degree. I did a couple of zines. One with my best friend from high school, Jen Thomas. What was called- that zine called? It was called Rudabega. Okay. Was it spelled like rude abega? No, it was just spelled like the root vegetable. Okay, so it wasn't a pun. No. All right. No. And uh, later I did one myself called Sour Mash. And there were a lot of people had zines back then. Sure. You know. On the internet. Right. Sort of. Yeah. And, and you know, we do the layouts with the hot wax, wax and the roller. Okay, sure. And because my mom had all that stuff from when she put her her books together, she did a couple of costuming books, and they laid it out. You know, putting the the wax on the back of pieces of paper, and then you stick it down and you roll it down, and then if you don't like the alignment, you adjust it, and that's how all of it was put together. And DIY, Pump. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. I'd make flyers that way. And one time I went to Japan and we were staying on uh, these people's floor in Nagoya. Okay. And they had an entire wall just completely covered with punk flyers from America. And there were a couple that I'd made. Nice. And that was, that that just blew my mind. So what took you to Japan? Uh, This band called J Church. Okay. I was friends with the singer Lance. And my boyfriend at the time put out a couple of their albums, so we tagged along when they went. It was off-season, so plane tickets were really cheap, and we stayed on people's floors. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was rad. So you got J Church. You just said you 
you booked Green Day before Dookie, but they'd still sign to a label. Right. You roll with Green Day. Sure. Who else? What's your what's your what's your your punk celebrity line? <laughs> Who else is on this list of people that you were rocking with? Okay, you know by asking me to list celebrities that I've hung out with is like totally not punk rock, right? I'm not actually I'm saying <laughs> all right, let me rephrase the question. Which punk bands were you instrumental in their success of? <laughs> Am I like entirely responsible for yeah. their careers? Yeah, like was it not for you, we wouldn't have blank. <laughs> I put on some rancid shows. There we go. Now the world knows. Yeah, it's not their, you know, this songwriting about, skills or musical abilities or anything. It was all me. It's all about credit where credit's due. Yeah. This is what we do here. <laughs> we find the, the unknown nuggets. Blog posts about lipstick. Influences on punk bands in the early 90s to late 90s. Right. I uh, think that was around 94 that I was doing that. Sure. That, that was a 924 Gilman. Yeah, and that's also when I had a press release that I wrote read on MTV News. Nice. Who that delivered it? That was pretty it? bizarre. It was uh, Kevin the Norris guy. John Norris. Yes. Yeah, it was about when Jello Biafra got beaten up at the club. A San Francisco legend, Jello Biafra. Yes. So you were on like a path on – not a path, but you were involved with the punk scene. Yeah, I was and going were, to lots of shows every week. You I, were managing a, a facility. You were or r- helping run a facility. Yeah. A collective. A yeah. dirty, dirty kibbutz. I was the one with the pager. <laughs> so you're in the punk scene. You're sort of ten, tangentially connected to the comics and gaming scene. Right. Was it a pull towards the comic scene or was it like, a, like okay, I'm over the punk scene. I'm going to do something else. I kind of just stopped going to shows for a while. Um, I had a lot of social anxiety issues. <laughs> like, and that is social. Yeah. A show would be more social than comic books. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. That's why I kind of bounced around from credit cards to comics to music. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what I wanted to do as a career. In college, when you take that test, to, it tells you what your best career path would like an be. Attitude sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, like what you're best suited for based on your interests oh, and what'd strengths. What you get? This is good. <laughs> I got librarian or cop. Huh. And I was so offended. <laughs> By both or one in particular? By the cop, mostly. You're tough. Well, I kind of look no, back not, at it now. And I, I think I do. I mean, I went into risk management. Yeah. Like, that's what I ended up in, in credit cards. Like, I could have gone into one of the other departments, but I like the risk management stuff better, the fraud investigation. But nobody was handing you a weapon. No, of course not. But I would go to conferences surrounded by people with guns. All right. You were in the thick of it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do that very often. I only went to a couple of them. But You're a real danger girl. <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, that's far from being a cop. But it's not unsimilar. Dissimilar. Sure. I could say unsimilar if I want. Which brings us to where we we, we diverted punk. Right. Back. We start working I was punk it. as fuck for a while. And then I was lo- not really punk as fuck. Right. I don't know if I was ever really punk as fuck either. Were you hella punk? 
I guess you could say I was a hella punk. That's another Bay Area it is. expression. Yeah. We come up with some good shit in Oakland. Let me ask you this. When No Doubt puts out a song called Hella Good, it's like, because it's like, that's Orange County. I'm not familiar with that song. Oh, really? Yeah. I almost feel like playing it now so you can <laughs> hear it, but I'm not going to do that. They had a song called Hella Good. Okay. That's Orange County, yeah. No Doubt. San Francisco's much farther north, and I know like the two East Bay, East Bay, Oakland. Okay, can I just say Bay Area? Sure. Okay, so Bay Area has their own like proprietary thing. Yeah, we 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 copyrighted that shit. Yeah. We shouldn't be saying it. I don't want to get between you and Gwen Stefani. We get lazy and say things like "hella," and then the but world what embraces is, it. What is "hella" replacing? Hell of. But then some people say hecka. Okay, but that doesn't make any sense to say something is like give me an expression with hella in it. Uh, like that cupcake is hella tasty. Yeah, you wouldn't say hell of tasty, but you would say hella. But that's <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't say hella, but people say hella. Yeah, but you just said it's it's a replacement for hell of. Some people have said, obviously, somebody said hell of if they turn it into a contraction. Okay, but how does that work? How does hell of work as that's. How does any uh, or language a, work? Or is it a contraction of that's a hell of a cupcake? Could be. Not. Yeah, maybe that's it. I think we yeah. just figured it out. We just cracked the code <laughs> on hella. All right, let's get down to this hyphy business. Figure that out. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I had to look it up on Wikipedia. I don't know what hyphy is. <laughs> that is a whole other scene. Ghost riding the whip? I think you told me what that was. Might have. That involves like getting out of a car or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, while it's running and moving. It's another thing we came up in. Which is not the same as a Chinese fire drill, which I think is racist. You stop the car for that. Okay. Let's say the Chinese have a little more sense. <laughs> a little bit. Bracket <laughs> it back. Start working at Image Comics. Yeah. Accounts manager. Right. What are the responsibilities and duties of the Image Comics accounts manager? Uh, let's see here. I pay people. Okay. I pay printers, keep the lights on. I explain accounting statements to the creators. Okay. Uh, sometimes I work at conventions. Well, a lot of the Image staff sort of. Yeah. Rolls into those positions because the yeah. small crew. Yeah. It it was 10 people for a long time. Now we have a couple of part-time people. We're up to 13. Oh, all right. Yeah. But that 13 includes Eric Stevenson. Yeah. Who's publisher and, and like a receptionist, <laughs> things like that. It sounded like you were saying Eric Stevenson is, is like a publisher and a receptionist. Well, he is. He answers <laughs> all the phones, right? <laughs> like if you want to talk to you just call and he answers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's... Do not call the office trying to get Eric Stevenson on the phone. So you're basically managing the money. Yeah. The, the big pool of money. I'm like a fancy bookkeeper. You make sure the money goes to where it's supposed to go to. Right. Is that why all the image creators love you so much? Or are you that charming? <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you, you almost like... No, I actually like paying people. Well, yeah, because people like the person who's paying them. That's not why I like it. 
It's a nice benefit. I like it because people should be paid for their work. Well, sure. And you keep hearing about comic book creators not getting paid for their work. That does happen. That pisses me off. And it happens, I mean, and especially at somewhere like Image where you're not guaranteed payment. Because it's all, it's essentially everybody's, it's their own risk. Yeah, you, you own the property, so you own the profit and the risk. Right. Yeah. So when you're able to pay somebody, it's like, you did it. Yeah. You made some money. <laughs> well, I know people have been struggling in this industry for sure. decades. You know, some of my closest friends. And why would I watch my friends go through that and watch them get fucked over and then just turn around and do the same thing? I'm not an asshole. No, you're not. I made no claims that you were, <laughs> but you almost in some way, maybe because I'm seeing it from a different angle. Braylon Bigglestone is almost like the, the mascot of image comics, the human mascot. I don't even know how to answer that. I don't know if there is an, I don't even know if that's a question, um, <laughs> but you the creators for the most part speak highly of you. They put you in their books. You've appeared in a number of image books, your name or some likeness. Well, yeah, my name is in all the books. No, not in the <laughs> Yes, your name is in all the books. But people have put your name in the content of the book. As like a character? That As was a... actually in a DC book. No, but Chris Chris has you in the background. Yeah. G-Man. Yeah. I've been in Bomb Queen. You've been in Bomb Queen. People like play with your credit. Elephant Men. Right. Darkings does stuff with your credits that goof He's around. He's the only one who's allowed to get away with that. None of the men of action have thrown Bigglestone into the background. There's never been a word balloon in a Joe Casey book that has your name in it. Not that I've seen. Hmm. So I can't help but notice a parallel between Image Comics, where everyone's making their own thing uh-huh. and spending for themselves. Yeah. But Image as it's on its own is this sort of collective where everyone owns their own property and yeah. image d- divvies out the money accordingly yeah you do and the your creators job. all own their shit right and the way you described the punk philosophy right i don't cry at work now <laughs> <laughs> i mean i cried at work a little when <laughs> my dog died <laughs> but that's not work related <laughs> that's not work related yeah jonathan chan didn't kill your dog no He's done lots of terrible things. No. But that's not one of them. So it, it's, it's, I just find it interesting that sort of you, you took the – you were on that, that punk scene and then you left it. Yeah. You're sort of in a, a sister scene, a cousin, a sort of – there's a connection. And then it also connects to the first comics you were exposed to, the, the yeah. COMIX comics yeah. that were built from the ground up or, or the flyers you were doing where you were gluing things yeah. down. So do you ever think about – that idea of, of how you didn't know what you wanted to do for a living. You didn't know what your career was. Yeah. But looking back, you can see this thread. Oh, yeah. And what, <laughs> I like to be on the side of righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weirdly bold and pompous. <laughs> people, thank God you're laughing because people would think like, what? What's wrong with this woman? But I think that's sort of awesome that you you've intentionally are not. I've sort of kept to that, not level, but that's part of, of um, the word I'm looking for. Uh, independence? Yeah. Yeah, like you've been on the side of independence. And it almost seems like that's almost a Bay Area rule. Yeah, kind of. Um, there's a lot of small press in the Bay Area. Well, up and down the West Coast. 
but yeah you know in punk rock everyone has their own zine or mini comic or you know everyone has a record label and especially now that you can just burn cds at your your home computer sure you know that's it's so easy to do you know it's just it's just an interesting again i like through lines yeah and i just looking at at my notes and hearing us talk it's like there really is this sort of everything it's like a web yeah where things piece together to the point where also online i found an interview you did about the punk scene with steve niles comic book writer right so again everything sort of like folds in it's like monkey bread yeah because he has a background in punk rock in the washington dc music scene and I was asked to be involved in uh, the comics issue of Maximum Rock and Roll, which is a punk zine. For various reasons, you can find out about by reading the interview on Steve Niles' website. The interview didn't get put in Maximum Rock and Roll. But, you know, I knew that he was in punk bands back in the day, and here he is, successful comic book guy. And so it just kind of made sense. There's a lot of that. And that also sort of, to me, sort of explained and painted the picture uh, as to why you're sort of, um, I don't know if evangelical is the word, <laughs> but it might be, which create her own comics. Aside from the fact that you work at Image, because it's easy to say, oh, she works at Image. Of course, she's going to be pushing for create her own comics. Yeah. I see but, what you're saying. But you sort of come from that. Yeah. Like the, from your roots. Yeah. Are from create her own, whether it's music, comics. Yeah conventions your mom created a gaming convention right yeah my yeah. mom and dad were part of a group of people who started dundercon in the bay area it's a gaming convention you have a you have a you're bona fide sure <laughs> i mean i also understand work for hire but i prefer creator owned certainly let's talk about arm wrestling uh-huh. You are sort of becoming moderately known, maybe not even in comic circles, for your arm wrestling. Yeah. Maybe most famously you arm wrestled Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Jane Wheedlin. Yeah. The, the go-go's, right? Right. She was tiny and in a wheelchair. I won easily. <laughs> Pia Guerra. Yeah. Uh, possibly by the time this drops. Blair um, Butler. Blair Butler. Unless she chickens out again. So let's talk about the arm wrestling thing. <laughs> How did this become the arm wrestling thing? I think it was actually my friend Maggie who got me on that. Just one day we were hanging out and then all of a sudden she said, come on, let's arm wrestle. And and I was I'm like, okay, fine. That's kind of weird. But we arm wrestled. and This I, is Maggie Gyllenhaal? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Maggie threatens you. Uh, challenges you to an arm wrestling yeah. match. Yeah. You win handedly. Yeah. I think she's beaten me once. Oh, this is a multiple. This is like. Yeah. Like we had a rematch and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I get kind of competitive. So was, was Jane Weedlin the first one? Jane Weedlin was the first celebrity. Yeah. And then you got a, you got a flavor for it. Yeah. Is this a. I tried to get, uh, Mankind uh, arm wrestled me that wow. weekend too. That would have been pretty good. But he instead he just told me a story about arm wrestling. Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien. You arm wrestled him. Yeah, at Comic Con. 
but there is not footage of that online. Here's the, here's the worst question. The worst question. Bring if it. Could, if you could arm wrestle anyone, living or dead, who would you arm wrestle? Tina Fey. Really? Yeah. That was such a fast answer. <laughs> She's like my white whale. Tina Fey. Yeah. One of the nicest compliments I was ever paid by anyone was Landry Walker told me that I was the punk rock Tina Fey. All right. Tina Fey, you heard it. I know you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this happen. <laughs> Stuff said presents. <laughs> Let's talk about your name. Uh-huh. Braywin Bigglestone. Yeah. That's your given name. It's my name. Do you have a middle name you're willing to reveal? the world uh usually i make people try to guess it you're like so I, yeah kind of like that yeah i'm not about richard to to starkings it. is the only one who ever guessed it huh how many tries not too many which so makes he narrowed me it down wonder quickly. if he like looked up my birth certificate beforehand or Did something he ask yes or no questions or he just went for it and got it he he got well it starts with a v huh so there's a limited yeah but it's obviously not gonna be something like Victoria over right. everybody would guess it. Right. Yeah. We're not gonna play the guessing game. No. Now. That's your given name. Yeah. It's not like I love the Flintstones. Right. Or, or, or <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow is my favorite wrestler. Right, exactly. Right. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. For anybody. No, that's my name. Because that's... everyone reacts to your name when yeah. they hear it. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I hated it when I was a kid. Did you want to change it? Uh I really liked Joe from Facts of Life. So I kind of wanted to be named Joe. <laughs> it was like elementary school days. And also, it, it took... I was a slow learner with reading and spelling and all that stuff. So, you know, in kindergarten, where you're when you're learning to spell your own name, I would only get as far as B-R-A and then... That was it. That's as far as I could get. And so all my papers said bra. <laughs> now, it's interesting you bring up that spelling and words were not your, your forte when you were a mere four or five years old. Uh-huh. Because now you find yourself working freelance editorially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Started editing uh, G-Man yep. for Chris. Finding all the, the spelling errors that I couldn't find. Uh-huh. Um, and now you're sort of taking on more editing stuff. Yeah. How are you finding it? Well, my friend Jean-Paul Bonjour. Which is, also sounds like a made-up name. But also a real name. He and his friend Jeff Roning both have film degrees and are film guys. And they wanted to make a comic book of this film they want to do, the script they want to do. And they kept asking me all these questions. And finally... I said, why don't you just hire me as editor? Yeah. Pay me, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) You think this is free? Well, I mean, you know, it's answering random questions. I could do so much more. So they they did. And now I'm their editor. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And and it's interesting because, you know, somebody like chris giarusso basically i am just a proofreader because he's done this a long time he's very self-sufficient he even letters himself by hand yes but uh you know with like jean paul and jeff they they have no experience in the comic book world so i'm doing a lot more yeah helping them find artists things like that and that book is called alpha girl it's 
but you, you've been building up your sort of slate of editorial responsibilities. Yeah, I'm also editing Danger Club, which is Landry Walker and Eric Jones's book. Which looks awesome. It does. Yeah. It's so amazing. I'm saying that not as the editor. But I've known them for years and years, and they started out in the creator-owned world, and then more recently started and doing work, work at DC and Boom and Nickelodeon. About them. Talking about you, Branwyn. But they wanted to do a creator-owned book and move into uh, move away from the all-ages stuff. Right. And so they asked me to edit it. And again, they've been doing this a long time. They're pretty self-sufficient and probably not going to be doing a lot more. But are you enjoying what you've done yeah. so far? Oh, yeah. Has it, it's fulfilling on some creative level. Yes. Because you draw. Sometimes. I've seen drawings. You're better than you say you are. <laughs> Going back to your saying, like, my image of me is not what it is sort of yeah. thing. You draw better than you think you do. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm not a cartoonist, though. I, that's fine. Yeah. Not everybody is. I know. But it means I'm I'm not going to be drawn comics. At least not anytime soon. Kia Guerra draw, has drawn how many of your tattoos? Uh, she drew one from scratch and another one she helped me modify to remove the weird kneeling Boy Scout. That's the, that's the Lady Justice one. Uh-huh. And the scratch is the tiger. Yeah. And she's on board for another one. Yep. And that's Which is awesome. Like, and, who gets to get Pia Guerra to draw their tattoos for them? And that is strictly out of... You met at conventions. Yeah, we met through Richard Starkings. And that, you guys were on your way. Yeah. You wanted tattoos. She wanted to draw tattoos. Best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there was some friendship development before the tattoo thing. But yeah, yeah, she, she totally offered to do it. And she's a saint. I don't, I will openly say I don't draw things if I know they're going to become a tattoo. Yeah. I told you that. Yeah. You've never asked, but I, I like put that right out of the gate. I'm like, no, I, I would just assume so. <laughs> well, it happens at conventions a lot. People will come up and be yeah. like, I want to get a tattoo. Can you draw this thing? And he's like, no. Yeah. No, I will not. Yeah. Don't want. Oh, I've heard Chris's feelings on that also. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he and I are on the same page of it'll never be good enough. And the idea that it's permanent. Yeah. Crushing. Yeah. I couldn't even get Chris to draw. With a Sharpie on my brother's head. That I would do. Except I'd be afraid that that person would take the Sharpie to the tattoo shop and say, Ink it. <laughs> you, like myself, you have sort of comedy nerd in you. Yeah. And you've sort of ingratiated yourself into that world, too. Yeah. Via the magic of Twitters. And comic books. And your arm wrestling, Sarah Silverman. Mm-hmm. Palling around with a comedy... Glitterati. Glitterati. <laughs> yes, they're also glamorous. Is there a path that you're looking at there? Are you like scoping out like a, not that you're going to be a comedian. Right. But like, is there something, is, it, is there an opportunity there that you see for yourself or you just like comedians and it's fun I like to... funny people. I'm friends with you. Oh, shucks. Aw. Last topic. For a while, uh-huh. you were on a pie track. Yeah. Like you were. I'm still a fan of pie. 
No, but you were on like you were making. It was out of control. Pies. Yeah. How many pies were you making a week? I was probably making at least once a week. One pie a week for how long, roughly? Six months? I don't know. It was the summertime. There was a lot of good fruit <laughs> at the farmer's market. And you were just pumping out pies. Yeah. And you'd eat a slice and bring it into work the next day. I, I'd bring it into work or to a party or, you know, UFC night. It makes sense to have pie. So what what were – what did you learn making pies? What are your that best? What are your worst? I can make uh, a, a decent pie. What are you using? Cornstarch, flour, tapioca? Uh, I've tried them all. Uh, now I usually just stick to the cornstarch. And you're using pre-made crusts. Yeah, I use pre-made crust. I tried making a gluten-free crust once, and it was, oh, it was bad. What kind of flour did you use? Like, what, what was your I don't remember. replacement? I don't remember. It's like a rice flour would get too gummy. There was probably some rice flour in it. Oh, you did a mix. Yeah, that, that's the thing about gluten-free cooking. You kind of, it's like, it is chemistry. and, and All baking is chemistry. Yeah. But it seems like it really is with gluten-free yeah, yeah. bacon. You got to figure out the the right combinations of certain flours for a certain recipe, and that combination might not work with another, you know, type of bread product. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, I, I don't get it really. But um, yeah, it was a terrible crust. Does anyone make a prefab? Gluten-free crust? Yeah, you can get them at Whole Foods. Then you good? They're all right, yeah. But you just stick with the regular crust? Yeah, usually. And uh, the apricot pie uh-huh. that you're famous for. Yeah. And by famous, I mean I've had it. If you've had it. <laughs> Am I remembering incorrectly that you won some sort of recognition for it? I won a pie bake-off with it. How many people were in the pie bake-off? I don't remember how many pies there were. There were probably ten or so, maybe more. Now, mind you, this was in my friend's at my friend's house. Oh, so this was not a like a part of the Pie Association of America. No. Okay. No, it was. They had a big barbecue. Their bluegrass band played in the backyard. It was a lovely day. Naturally. In El Sobranti, California. Never heard of it. Uh. Primus like to sing about El Sob number one. I've heard of Primus. Yeah. Um, and the prize was a 12-pack of homebrew. What was the pie? Apricots? Almonds? It's, it's called a Viennese apricot pie. Your recipe? Uh, it was recipe. handed down to me from my grandmother. All right. I don't know where she got it from. It's good. It's hella good. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a good pie. Hella. That's how we say it on the East Coast. All right. It was a hell of a good pie, <laughs> my good man. Any any pies in your mind that you've not yet made that you've imagined? Um, Ever do anything with a fig? I've done things with figs. How did that work out? Uh, it's good if you mix it with something that has some tartness in it. I can see that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I made a strawberry root, uh, no, a mango rhubarb pie. That was one of my favorites. Mm. That's interesting. Good combo. Can't even imagine that combo. Often I just make pies where whatever fruit is in the fridge, I throw it in. Percentage-wise, fruit pies to custard cream. I've never made a custard pie. Really? Yeah. 
You've never just taken chocolate pudding and plopped it into a nope. pie crust? That's delicious. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Someday I, I do want to make a bacon chocolate cream pie. I don't know about that one. I know. Your fruit pies, are you going uh, crust on top too? Uh-huh. You ever lettuce? No, that's a lot of work. Why not just make a crumble or, or a cobbler? I'd have to learn something new. I always feel like a pie fraud because I don't make crust. I think I think pie people would consider you a pie fraud. Yeah. Because it's all about the crust. But that's why people. I'm upfront about it. Because they're like butter. I don't want to be a poser. They're like butter or shortening, shortening or lard. Yeah. Texture versus flavor. Yeah. Tenderness. Mm-hmm. Flakiness. Right. Hey, Branwyn. Hi, Greg. Thanks for giving me your time. You're welcome. How did we do? Uh, that was all right. Yeah. yeah. You're comfortable with everything? Yeah. yeah. I didn't say that word I wasn't supposed to say you one single time. Didn't. And if I left this that in here, people will wonder what that word you was. Leave it in. Let them wonder. You hungry? Yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> Let's go eat. Yes. Oh, but Porcupine Pie, Porcupine Pie, Porcupine Pie, it weaves its way through my dreams. And I do believe I'm gonna have one. Leave some little room for dessert. Chicken ripple ice cream. So, how did we do? Perfect, right? Not a flaw in sight. Maybe you thought, eh, they didn't really talk about comics so much. Or they should have talked more about pie or whatever. You can let me know. Stuffsaid at gmail.com. That's how you can email me. You can post comments on the website, stuffsaidshow.com. You can, yeah, I read those comments. I'll get back to you. You can go onto iTunes under Stuffsaid. Click off five stars. I guess if you want four stars, fine. But come on, five stars. And then you can leave a little review there. And tell your friends about the show. Tell people you think might be interested in this show about this show. You can also hear the show at acmewaveprojector.com, which is uh, an affiliation I gladly have with Acme Comics in Greensboro, North Carolina. Good guys. Also on the website, StuffSaidShow.com, you could see uh, the, the videos we talked about. Branwyn Arm Wrestling, Sarah Silverman. There's, some, uh, there's a photograph of a pie. There's a link to another podcast. I'm telling you, the site's got stuff. I mean, look, the show has got stuff. But the site has stuff, too. Uh, I don't normally talk about time of year, but it is uh, December. And it's holiday time, and, and I hope everybody's having a, a lovely holiday, whichever one you celebrate or not celebrate. And we'll be back in 2012. I've got shows in the hopper, and I've been reaching out for, for interviews. So the plan is to keep this going. There's no New Year's resolution. Got to do uh, this, that, or the other. I'm just going to keep on, keep on going. So... With that, that's about all the stuff I have left to say. I'll see you next year. La, 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 la.